Welcome to the Make Disciples podcast, a short weekly podcast where we will share topics, ideas, and resources useful to you in your effort to follow Jesus as a disciple. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Make Disciples podcast. I'm Dan, and today I have the pleasure and privilege of being joined in the podcast studio by Mike Shockey. Hello, Dan. Glad to be here. Good to have you here. Now, Mike, you're doing a little bit more at Wildwood these days. What are you doing these days here? Taking up more space. And uh, <laughs> no, I uh, have actually been brought into the care ministry uh, of the church. Uh, not quite at the level that uh, Darwin Box is doing it uh, with hospital visits and those kinds of things. And, but I will be doing some of that uh, to help him. But uh, the care that I've already been doing uh, in terms of the ministry I've been performing for years, which is uh, counseling with our folks and just having coffee, doing life with them, uh, as David McNeely says, life on life discipleship. And then particularly uh, coordinating uh, some different uh, things regarding small groups. And I have only begun uh, that ministry, and it's um, I'm still very 30,000 feet on that. So We have only just begun. We have. Yes. Would you like me to sing you the song? No, we're good. <laughs> uh, but we are happy to have you around here, you know, taking up space. You said taking up increasing amount of space. I don't know if that was the same <laughs> about weight or something. But uh, No, I'm actually losing some weight, which oh, maybe good. that means I'm not taking up as much space. Well, so. there you go. Well, good to have you here and more involved. So. This whole season, we've been talking about the doctrine of God, and we've been approaching the conversation by discussing a lot of different attributes. In fact, last episode, uh, we talked a little bit about the concept of divine simplicity or the oneness of God, how we want to recognize uh, the unity of all these attributes. But uh, I brought you in, Mike, because we're going to talk about uh, this in just a little bit different ways. And we're actually going to do this over two episodes. We're going to talk about the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. Big words, Dan. Yes. So uh, let's just start uh, by putting it this way. Why do we divide the attributes of God into these categories? What is the value of doing this? I think the value of, and I won't speak necessarily uh, to the historical aspect of why uh, it has especially post-Reformation, been divided into communicable and incommunicable attributes. But uh, if communicable attributes are defined as things that can be not only known definitely about God uh, through His Word, through nature, as Romans 1 describes to us, um, through Him giving His Holy Spirit to us, if, if communicable is what can be known about God and also emulated about God in our own person, uh, then incommunicable are those things that can be known about in terms of God, but cannot be understood on our level as humans. They are incomprehensible. His sovereignty, for instance, his omnipotence, those, those things that we can simply never be. Um, and so, in distinguishing between the two, I think one of the most important things, uh, and this is just me speaking as I observe um, those two categories of God, I think that when we come to the communicable, which we're talking about today, when we come to the communicable attributes of God, those things that he allows himself to be known by, 
those things that he tells us, for instance, in the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, that we can be like him in those communicable things. I think what makes that in and of itself so incredible, what makes Romans 1 so incredible that we can see in what he's created, we can sense in ourselves as images of him specifically, what makes that incredible to me is that he began creation uh, with Adam and Eve as a communicable God, as a God who uh, made his people, made his creation to know him and to celebrate him and to worship him. But after the sin, after the fall uh, in the Garden of Eden, there's nothing that indicates to us by all the warnings he gives pre-fall, pre-sin, there's nothing that indicates to us that he should have ever communicated with us again, that he should have ever been knowable again after that time. Death, death was all that was promised. And in the line of death, we consider suffering. We consider uh, ignorance, ignorance in the sense of not knowing something, you know, those kinds of things. And so I think it's incredible for us to see that this otherwise incommunicable God, God that cannot be understood or known, he's literally incomprehensible in terms of his uh, inherent attributes, that he would deign to make himself communicable, that he would deign to make himself known. And I hope I haven't over-explained that, but he, in other words, he owes us not one thing as a result of the fall, as a result of our sin. And to be clear, Romans 5, you know, 12 through 21 explains that that sin is passed on to us. So people would say, well, I didn't sin in the garden. Well, no, but yes, you did in terms of God being sovereign and how he applies that sin. Yes, he owes us nothing. He gives us everything. And I think it's everything for us to know and be able to know who God is in the regards of, of what he affords us to know, and the fact that we can be anything like him. We are image bearers after all, but particularly in, in the Spirit and Christ and the Holy Spirit living in us. Wow. I mean, that to me in terms of communicable, those big words, you know, communicable, incommunicable, um, it's hard for me to even say them, but it's just amazing uh, that we get to know him. And I'll finish that by saying, Sometimes I think we think it's a burden on us. Uh, I know I feel that way from time to time to look at the Galatians 5 fruits of the Spirit and we're like, okay, I got these nine attributes, these nine things that I need to you know, really work on. And we see that we're okay with some and not okay with others. And sometimes that can be a bit of a burden, a bit of a stress as to, man, I, I got to get this right. And the truth is, Christ has already done all those things for us. Those things are already applied to us. That shouldn't make us lazy. At times it does. That's the reality of the situation. But at the end of the day, he has done those things for us. But I think more importantly, the way that we approach wanting to be uh, filled with the fruits of the Spirit and, and to exemplify those things in our life is the privilege that it is that God could have never written that through Paul, could have simply given us the other fruits of the flesh, as it were, right? The the outworkings of sin and flesh and those kinds of things. He could have just left us with that because that's who we actually are in this world, absent Jesus, right? And could have just said, you're just doomed in that. And instead he says, but wait, but I'm at work in you. And these are ways that you can aspire to be. And I think of William Bridge who says, 
we all, with the Holy Spirit living in us, aspire to be those ways, those communicable ways that God tells us we can be like him. And we all yet fail at some level in achieving that. But it's the aspiration that's most important. It's the will to be that. Because we think there was a time in our lives we didn't care. There was a time in our lives that wasn't important to us. Holy Spirit enters us, bears us up again, makes us born again, makes us new with life. And now we want those things. And the fact that we want them is the most important thing. The most important thing is not that we achieve them, but the fact that we long to achieve them and that we struggle to achieve them. And even in times when we're lazy and we are indifferent to it, that when we're confronted with the sin of not trying, when God confronts us that way with his word, with his people, with prayer, those kinds of things, it's not that we sinned in not trying to accomplish those fruits of the Spirit, not trying to accomplish those communicable things. It's that we responded well to the confrontation. We responded well to the conviction of our spirit that we were not trying. I don't know that God would ever look at us in these communicable things and say, like, if God knows that we're dust, right? If he knows that, he, that sending Jesus was a necessity, if he was going to save his elect, if he was going to save his people, I'm not sure that it makes sense for us to say, he looks at us and says, well, you know, you're not, really, you're not really doing the gentleness thing very well, and I'm going to count that as a strike against you. And you're really not doing the patience thing very well, and I'm going to count that as a strike against you. Rather, he already knows where we tend to fail. He already knows where we tend to exceed and, and achieve. And in all those things, because he is communicable, to put a cap end on this, he draws near to us in our weaknesses in the areas that we, that we don't exemplify that communicable uh, trait of his. Does that make sense? Yeah. Have I lost everybody on that? Well, you've covered a lot in that answer, uh, and that's a big picture that we're talking about. It's both how we can understand God, but also how we should be emulating God. And mm. I like your emphasis at the end there on uh, the emphasis on grace in the midst of it. Because uh, we can long to be like God, and we're going to talk about these specific attributes in just a second, but we also have to recognize that we're going to fail at it, and that's why we need grace, and that's why Jesus is so important. Mm. Well, let's just run through some of these, uh, because we are talking not only about ways that we can understand God a bit better, but how we're supposed to emulate them. So I, there's a lot of different lists out there uh, I've just put together list of 10 attributes. We don't have time to talk about all of them individually, uh, but let's just read these off. So we have uh, this idea of holy and loving, good and just, merciful, gracious, faithful, patient, truthful, wise. Now, you already noted this, but uh, it's important to see this comparison between what we see in this list and the actual fruit of the Spirit. Absolutely. There's an overlap there. So as the Spirit is working in and through us, as we walk in the Spirit, we should be seeing these developing in our lives. And I think it's fair to do a contrary perspective here and say, if these are not developing in our lives, if we are not developing uh, more of a focus on patience and love and mercy and gentleness and self-control, 
then that should bring up questions about whether or not we are actually allowing this spirit to work and move in our lives. Is that fair? No, I think it's completely fair. There's a balance in that because there are a lot of people, um, and this has been the case for most of Christian history, particularly prevalent uh, in uh, kind of the guilt ages of uh, the mid-centuries um, since the Reformation, uh, you, you've got preachers that have leaned on people, as it were, that if they are not exemplifying moral attributes, right? And that's really what we're talking about here. God has a million attributes, great. But here we're speaking of, the uh, in terms of communicable attributes, we're talking about his ethical or moral attributes, right? And you have preachers leaning on people and folks who tend to confuse conviction of the Holy Spirit with an utter condemnation, you see. And so, yes. So when we say, well, if the inference is, well, if we don't see moral behavior, and I should qualify that, parentheses, at the level that we think it should be, we've got this, um, this incredible idea of what morality ought to be, and yet we've got the actuality of, of where we are on that scale. Often, if we confuse conviction of the Spirit, which is a really good thing, right? Conviction shapes us and molds us and moves us forward, even when we've fallen into the trough, you know, uh, God picking us up again, and we sense that. And yet we have this condemnation where we say we give up. And so many people have done it over the years and have had to have been really rescued by God's Spirit, as it were, from this place of absolute desperation where they have confused their inability to be good, right, to, to exemplify those communicable attributes. And they have taken that to a whole different level. Um, for whatever reason, God has given me over the years, including right now, a plethora of people who are in that place. Uh, it, it's possible it's because I, too, can be in my head just enough uh, and live there just a little bit too much. C.S. Lewis talks about this with his brother Warren, uh, warning him to stay out of that place, you know, out of that, that head of his. You know, it's a dangerous place to be. Stay busy about his work. Uh, but I counsel with those people constantly who confuse the conviction of the Spirit with condemnation. And so, yes, so all that to say, if we're saying that we need to look for the morality, the development of these uh, fruits of the Spirit, uh, these communicable things, these ways that God is into our own life. Um, I think we just need to be careful to exemplify that one fruit, which is patience with ourselves, because we need to know that God is, in fact, patient with us um, in, in those things. And all that, I think, comes back to the repentant heart, the disposition, as William Bridge would put it, we must always have a disposition of turning, right? Never that we're just fixed. Okay, well, I just don't care about being gentle. I just don't care about being. If you're doing that, then yes, I think you got real problems. And I think condemnation is the place where you end up kind of landing. You know, I think that's, that's pretty clear. But if you're saying, I want to be, I want to be gentle. I want to be patient. I want to be self-sacrificing, and I don't want to be all about myself. Why does it happen without me even realizing it's happened? I hate this about myself. And there's a 
healthy loathing that takes place that at that point, yeah, now you're in that conviction place and you say, I want it. Now, God, help me. And that may be a lifelong fight for a lot of people. I don't mean that to be discouraging, but there's beauty and joy in the struggle, you know. Yeah, that's a good uh, qualification and distinction. Let me just uh, land the plane for this episode with uh, a helpful thought from uh, Jen Wilkin on this. She says, if you've ever wanted to know what God's will is for your life, these attributes are for you because this is what God wants for you. Uh, The whole goal is that we would grow to become more like God in these ways. It allows us to ask a better question. Instead of what should I do, we can ask who should I be? Because who we want to be, we just said that, right? Who we long to be absolutely and completely informs what we will do. It just will. So that's exciting. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here, Mike, for this episode of Make Disciples Podcast. Glad to have you back in the studio with us. Thank you, Dan. Pleasure to be here. And thanks for joining us. We hope you'll join us again as we talk about the incommunicable attributes of God in our next episode. Thanks for joining us for the Make Disciples Podcast. We would love it if you would subscribe, leave a review, and spread the word. This podcast can be found in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This podcast is a ministry of Wildwood Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Please join us again for our next episode of Make Disciples.